This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, May 14th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk, and we're reopening. Economic activity is resuming in parts of the country in phases. I know I see it around here. A lot more traffic. Felt feels relatively normal, at least on the roads. So uh, that's definitely good. It's not really, I don't think people are. I think people are tired of staying in their homes <laughs> at this point and overall that that's a good thing now there are mandates around how companies can reopen which ones can reopen uh, and the capacity and so all this uncertainty definitely is a continued drag on economic activity and thus that means you're going to see market volatility and you've seen that over the past few days uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, strong down days. Started the day today much, much lower, but uh, we rallied through the end of the day uh, and, and not a shock here. You know, uh, I think you're starting to see this next level, this next phase of the market and the economy, right? Then we're, we're past or getting past the shutdown phase and we're now entering the reopening phase in the general economy, but now we're entering what I call the insolvency phase of the general market. And you've seen that, uh, J- the JCPenney file, I know they're on the brink of filing. They've missed uh, debt payments, and I believe they missed some rent payments. Uh, they didn't miss their million dollar bonuses to their uh, executives, but uh, the, you know, the, of course, the executives are definitely going to get that. Um, but you know, they're they're re- pretty much on the brink of bankruptcy, so we know that, uh, and that's that shouldn't shock anybody. We are once again, we're in the insolvency phase. You're going to see uh, more uh, liquidations, more bankruptcies. Uh, Intelsat also filed for bankruptcy today. They are uh, This is a European satellite service business. They file for bankruptcy, so it's not just retailers, right, that are out there uh, becoming insolvent. It's just companies that are in trouble, companies that have too much debt in their balance sheet. GE is another one of those examples. Uh, they're not bankrupt yet, but there, there, there is room. There are rumors about it, uh, about them going bankrupt. You remember their most profitable segment is aviation, and clearly, aviation is on its heels. So while they're a diversified name, they sold off a lot of businesses, they put on a lot of debt, uh, and, and made a lot of bad investments, poor accounting, et cetera. And GE is a good example of the type of companies that you want to avoid. It's not about big names anymore. It's about balance sheets. It's about business models. It's about what is going to happen to economies, to the economy in the future, not talking about three months down the line, six months down the line. I'm talking two, three, four years down the line. Post-COVID, what is it going to look like? I know uh, in the r- commercial real estate area, I have a good friend who manages uh, you know, big retail shopping centers and such. And in the month of April, 
30% of his tenants paid rent, only 30%. And in the month of May, only 25% paid rent. So less than the month before. And the ones that are only ones that are paying rent are really grocery stores and fast food joints. And clearly that's a, a knock on to employees that work at those, those jobs. But what about the owners of the commercial mortgage-backed securities, right? What happens to that level of debt? And the CLOs, the collateralized loan obligations on top of that. So that's really, to me, where I'm focusing on where that fallout, that next level, right? The second order fallout of all this, right? There, there's... These things happen in phases, just like, you know, the first phase was virus probably escaped from a lab in Wuhan. It started spreading. That that's that that's the next order phase, right? Uh, and you get to shutdowns across the world. That's the next order phase, and then the shutdowns cause the next thing, which is likely defaults. And you're seeing those defaults. Or you're seeing that in in parts of the economy, and it will continue to spread. And that's why uh, you need to be diligent in this market. And money is going to flow out of those sectors, those industries that are not going to fare well and into others that are faring well. And that's your job, is to unpack those third, fourth, fifth order events that will impact your portfolio either positively or negatively. And hopefully you can... You can adjust that portfolio, and that's what we're going to do here uh, each each day on Invest Talk is to help you navigate this market and shift some money into areas that are going to benefit from this pandemic. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and through this Invest Talk radio program po- program and podcast, I can help you become a better investor. That's what we do each and every day. So, our goal is to give you unbiased guidance. So, we only recommend investment strategies for you and our clients that we implement for ourselves. So. I want to hear from you, 888-99-CHART, and let's get to our first caller from Onket in Fremont looking at BIIB, which is Biogen IDEC. Hi, Justin. Hey, how you doing? You you own it or are you looking to buy it? No, I was looking into starting a small position into it. I looked at the okay. chart. It seems pretty zigzaggy but uh, i wanted to get your thoughts on it it has mm-hmm. a very low p ratio so yep. yeah that's what my yeah i like biogen uh this is definitely on my on my watch list i haven't pulled the trigger yet uh no dividend but solid company 52 billion dollar market cap and uh very minimal uh amount of debt on its balance sheet which is uh something that i like very strong positive cash flow. The technicals are are solid. Uh, you know, it, it had a big spike in the month of October. I forget the exact reason why off the top of my head, but you know, it's been kind of trending here around the three hundred dollar level, and uh, it's to me consolidating very bullishly. Its relative strength is fantastic. You know, it's uh, it's it's up for the year, so its relative strength is ninety one, which is uh, means that it's outperformed. 91% of the stocks uh, in the marketplace over the past year. So uh, I like that. Uh, I like Biogen. It's not a fast grower, 
but it's a cash flow generator, which which I love. So uh, I'm definitely a fan uh, of Biogen. And uh, yeah, I, I like it. Thanks for the call. That was Biogen. B-I-I-B is the symbol. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And Steve Peasy will be here tomorrow with highlights from the newest KPP Premium newsletter. And please tell your friends about our April bonus podcast show. We call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. We answer 29 questions at a quicker pace, and it is free to download. And now I'm here. I'm ready to take your finance and investment questions at 888 chart. You are listening to Invest Talk, and there's now some optimism in the air with states reopening and economic activity resuming. So you'll have finance and investment questions, and Steve and Justin welcome your calls. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Love your podcast. Learn lots from it. Thank you guys very much for having it. I have a question today on an investment I'm looking at for the future here. It's DHI, DR Horton. I've noticed over the last few weeks here it's had a nice little run-up. And I didn't know if um, home builders is a good investment or good sector to get into right now. Uh, maybe it is with low interest rates and everything. I don't know. Does this company look good to you guys too? Would this be a solid company to invest in for the future, like a three-year investment or more possibly with a lot of room to grow? Thanks. I look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Have a good day. All right, looking at D.R. Horton, one of the biggest home builders out there, about a $17 billion market cap. And it's it, it fell dramatically in the month of March, all the way down to about $25.50 from a high of $62.54. So it was cutting by, down by 60% uh, to its uh, from top to bottom. But it's rebound now to about $46 per share, 1.5% dividend yield. And I think what happened here mainly was the mortgage market was fixed to some degree. It's not perfect. It's not back to where it used to be. The cash out refinancing is a lot more difficult. You know, I talked to my, uh, my, my lender that I uh, refer my clients to. That's, that, that's awesome. Uh, and, and he was saying that uh, he's very busy, you know, doing refinancing and uh, doing just, just getting people into homes. Uh, and the programs are in some ways better than they were before. And in other ways, like I said, not as good if you're trying to do a cash out refinance, for example. Uh, so the, the liquidity that the Fed has put into the mortgage market has definitely helped. And that's why I think you've seen this rebound in the home builders. My problem is that at the end of the day, six months, a year from now, there needs to be people jobs in order to buy homes. So I, I, I think you, you're going to get incrementally more people who continue to have jobs to go out there and buy homes because of the low, those low interest rates. And I think you'll be fine for the near term, uh, especially the supply, supply dyna- demand dynamics with uh, people taking homes off the market. So the supply of homes uh, has gone down. So that helps competitively these home builders a little bit. Uh, but 
I'm not a fan of them. Uh, I just think they're too cyclical. Now, Dr. Horton is has one of the better balance sheets in the industry, so that's a good thing. Uh, but I don't think it's cheap, uh, and I, I just don't like that sector overall right now. So I would uh, I would pass on on Dr. Horton until we get to the backside of this cycle. Now, my main talking point today concerns the story behind the headline: After trying for a decade, central banks might succeed at generating. Inflation, and they've been trying to do it for a long time, right? They've been printing money and lowering interest rates to try to get inflation moving, but it just hasn't. And there's a report out of Morgan Stanley, and I'm going to talk about what, why they think inflation will rear its ugly head. Maybe not this year, but going into 2021, 2022, uh, etc. So we're going to touch on that. Also. Governments, or governments both on the federal and the fiscal side, are helping businesses in a big way. And Congress has done a lot to help businesses get through this time. And we're going to touch on what companies have benefited from sometimes just straight up grants. You know what a grant is? It's the government giving businesses money, not people money, giving businesses money. And we're going to touch on what that looks like and how that's helped. Also, delaying Social Security. Does it really deliver an 8% return? We're going to talk about the details on when or why you should delay. And then lastly, the Fed and Trump are starting to turn their ire towards Beijing and China. And he's instructed parts of the government to avoid Chinese stock investments. And we're going to touch on that and what that could ultimately mean. So that's what's on my mind. That's what I want to talk about. But at the end of the day, this is all about you. What I want to talk about really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. It's what's on your mind. Uh, because what is on your mind is likely on other listeners' minds. So that's why we we love caller questions. Because we know if one person is thinking it, many others are as well. So you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And during these times, you might find you have some additional time. You are commuting, work from home, etc. And you can head over to our website, investtalk.com. You'll see some valuable resources beyond just our daily Invest Talk podcast that you can down, download for free, like our April bonus show, the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. And Steve and I roll through, once again, 29 questions at a quick pace. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. States are beginning to reopen, but not everyone thinks it's a good idea. And you've probably got some good finance and investment questions. Steve and Justin would like to hear from you now. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Wesley in Stockton looking at LMI, which is let's take a look at this company. LMI. You there? Yes, it's LMI Owen Wesley? Minor Inc., a pharmaceutical company, small cap. Got it. Okay. Owens Minor. They distribute branded medical and surgical surgical supplies to healthcare providers and suppliers. Uh, so yeah, this is a, definitely a, a smaller company. 
would be a, a value play. They've been struggling to some degree for some time, even though, uh, you know, they're, at least the stock has. Their, their business is, is doing okay. You know, it's cash from operations uh, is d- definitely down throughout the years, but it's starting to uh, pick up. Why? Because, like I just said, they, uh, they distribute medical and surgical supplies to healthcare uh, providers and suppliers. So, uh, you know, I, I, I like this. Uh, I like this name. The, the stock is is chopping sideways after years of uh, a downtrend and it started an uptrend late last year and has been chopping in a bullish consolidating manner and I you know I kind of like it uh, I see what you're you're looking at you you're probably playing this uh, this need for uh, increased medical supplies of, of all kinds and uh, across the globe and they're definitely one of the biggest uh, players so uh, I, I like what you're looking at. Uh, it's it's a smaller name, so definitely higher risk. But you know they 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 do pretty well. They have positive cash flow, and uh, it's definitely trending much higher. So you know the biggest worry is their debt levels. But I think uh, if things improve, uh, they'll dig themselves out of that debt, and they'll be just fine. So I like what you're looking at with Owens and Miner O M I. Let's go to Emeku in Cincinnati, looking at Under Armour. Hey, Justin, thank you so much for your knowledge and Steve and the team. I really appreciate you guys. I wanted to ask you about Under Armour. Do you think it's a value trap or do you see a value in it in five years? I think it's a value trap. Uh, I, I, one of my best friends is a CEO or uh, let's see, he's actually he's the founder of a company in kind of in the industry in some ways, uh, and actually knows uh, the found the the owner, the CEO of, of Under Armour, and you know they're they're they've just been poorly managed. Uh, he's part time running a, a vodka company, I think it is some sort of alcohol company. Uh, so I think the management there is just poor, uh, and that's really what's been driving the the stock down for for many many years. So. Uh, I think it's a, it's a value trap. You know, they're going to lose 45 cents a share this year, uh, and that's just uh, the, you know the, the, that's based on the first quarter. They lost 34 cents, so they'll probably lose even more. Uh, you know, the, the good thing is they don't have a ton of debt in their balance sheet, so they could meander down here for a while. But it's just not a name that that I would like to own. I just think they um, they have no economic moat. Uh, they're their momentum that they had, you know, a decade ago is, I think, pretty much gone and they don't have the leadership to uh, pivot and innovate. And, you know, if they get a new management, I would say maybe. But until they get new management, I think this is just going to erode and I would stay away from Under Armour. Thanks for the call. And my main talking point today concerns the story that after decades of central banks trying to fight to keep inflation from turning down, we might be on the cusp of inflation going back up. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen soon, soon, but there's a report out of Morgan Stanley who sees inflation emerging somewhere around 2022. And the reason that they target that time is because you might get past this deflationary shock because make no mistake about it. When you have unemployment uh, north of 20%, you have governments shut down or comp- companies and, and cities shut down. 
it's a deflationary force. The demand shock is too large to counter any potentially inflationary forces like disruptive supply chains. So certain aspects of supply chains that, you know, for example, meats. Meats are, are having trouble keeping meat plants open, and that's creating inflation on that side. But that's very it's one part of the entire picture when it comes to inflation, uh, something that the Fed has been trying to increase for a long time, a broad-based inflation. And there's been a few main drivers that have taken down inflation or kept a lid on inflation that are likely to reverse. One is obviously trade. You, you, you've seen globalization increase uh, global trade, and that means the production was outsourced to the lowest price throughout the world, wherever it was, right? It was all about efficient, low-cost supply chains. Well, you see that efficient supply chains now have turned into fragile supply chains. And uh, so companies are likely to pivot to more flexible supply chains. That's going to increase costs. Also, you have protectionist policies out of the United States, as well as the rest of the world, right? We're having more tariffs on China and backlash against China. So that's certainly going to drive inflation. And then you have backlash against technology companies and 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 tech titans uh and just and just large corporations right think of all the money that's being funneled to corporations right now via the federal reserve and and congress versus individual people and i think when we look back on what's happened over the past few months you know six months a year from now there's going to be giant backlash against these large corporations and uh maybe breaking some of them up creating more inflation so i think all those factors will drive inflation down the line now, the next invest stock of this story, one sort of strategist is predicting that the markets are too optimistic. That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Numbers are elusive. But if it goes to zero, do you lose all your money? They're always changing. Their debt-to-equity ratio is fairly low. Invest Talk listeners know it's all about the numbers. I'm 82. I'm interested in knowing what the recommended withdrawal rate would be. So the questions keep coming. Hi, Steve and Justin. I'm question regarding real estate. Everything counts. I was wondering if you could shed a little bit more light on ExxonMobil. Jason, El Segundo, how you doing? Let's go to Robert in San Leandro. He wants an ETF follow-up. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein, thank you for your continued support. I really appreciate your insight and your understanding of the market and financial business. Since it all started, the total number of InvestTalk downloads has now exceeded 22 million. Hi, Steve and Justin. I've been listening to you guys for two years, and I absolutely love your show. InvestTalk.com. This is InvestTalk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi there. I have a question about gold. You've been recommending getting into gold over the last couple of months. And I just wanted to know, what are some indicators of when we should start reallocating funds away from gold. So when's a good time to get out of gold in this market right now? Thank you. 
when's a good time to get out of gold? When the deficit stops drastically rising, right? When governments stop spending trillions of dollars a quarter, right? Or, or running deficits at trillion dollars a quarter. Uh, and you start to see a reversal. You know, I did, uh, if you if you go over to our YouTube channel, uh, you can go over there and subscribe. I, I did a market analysis on Friday, and I, I showed the relationship between the deficit, the U.S. deficit, and gold prices. You know, in late 90s, we had a balanced budget. We had a, a budget surplus, and gold was kind of languishing, uh, around a few hundred bucks a, a, an ounce. And... It had been dead money for a long time throughout the most of the the 90s uh, and and most of the 80s as well, and that's because we didn't have that big of deficits. We were, you know, 20 30 percent of GDP and debt, very low level. Now we're at 130 percent of GDP uh, and rising dramatically. So our fiscal situation is, is terrible. And gold started going up in the early 2000s. Well, what happened in the early 2000s? Well, we started spending money on the, the war, right? And running massive deficits. You know, uh, there, uh, we, we signed the Bush signed the Prescription Drug Act, right? The Medicare Prescription Drug Act. I think that was 2002, I want to say. Uh, and so there were a lot of big spending initiatives under the under Bush. And, you know, we, we peaked, our deficit stopped rising in 2012, 11, 12. And, and that was really the peak in gold prices, right? Around $1,800 an ounce and started declining uh, from there. And so now, ever since Trump was elected, the deficit started rising. Right, went from about five hundred billion dollars when uh, Obama had left per year to quickly do a trillion dollars uh, starting uh, last year, and gold really broke out in early. You know, uh, re- really has broken out basically since then, uh, and frankly, that is what I'm looking for: is when will the economy stabilize? When will government spending stabilize? And until then, I think gold just has nothing but tailwinds. Uh, uh, you know, behind it, and is likely to continue uh, continue higher. So that's really what I'm looking for: is that change in the government's fiscal situation, which doesn't look like it's getting better anytime soon. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. I want to touch on a new directive by President Trump and saying that. He's instructing the labor department to stop its sh- its shift in its thrift savings plan and its I fund, the international stock f- fund, from an index that's more uh, Europe, Australia, Asia, Far East, etc., and into more of an all-world or all-country ex-U.S. investable market index, which is 22 developed countries and 26 emerging markets. So it expands the list of com- countries that uh, the, the index would invest in. But the big change is that the index has about 10% of its assets in China. And the TSP plan was to be switched in the second half of 2020, but clearly the president doesn't want that to happen. And 
this is to me the first shot across the bow. This is the easiest thing for the administration to, to target is investments in China because we can control that both on the directing government entity side, which is what this is, directing the Department of Labor, but also the regulatory side. And you're starting to see these whispers uh, that they're going to force Chinese companies listed on our exchange, there's about 250 of them, to be audited just like our companies, which I think is... It's a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you? Why why are these even list, allowed to be listed on our exchanges without having the same rules as other co- country, companies? It's not just for companies in other foreign countries need to abide by our rules, right? So why is China an exception? And I think this is the writing's on the wall here. Uh, interactive brokers just recently increase their margin requirements in relation to Chinese listed companies. And that's after, you know, was it last month or a couple months ago, Luckin Coffee uh, came out, they plunged, the uh, shares plunged 80% in a day, wiping out billions of dollars for American investors because it looked like majority of their sales were fabricated. Now there are 21 Chinese listed companies that have market caps above 1.5 billion, but that means that there's a lot of very small Chinese listed companies here in the United United States exchanges that I guarantee many of them are partially fraudulent. That doesn't mean that the companies don't exist, right? Enron existed, but their books were fraudulent. And I think if you go into you know these few hundred companies and you actually do a legit audit. The vast majority of these companies are going to be fraudulent, and it's just that's just based on history. You've seen dozens and dozens and dozens of these Chinese listed companies come out as frauds and muddy waters, and all these short sellers. Citron Research they just came out with a, a new uh, one on a Chinese listed online education company, GSX Takedu. That's how you say it, uh, and saying that it's a fraud. So. There, there's a lot of these, and usually these Citron research reports are right. So if you have these Chinese names in your portfolio, be careful. And I think a lot of them are going to have big, big problems here once the White House comes down hard from a regulatory standpoint on these Chinese companies. Let's go to Shannon in Florida. She wants to talk. Uh, he wants to talk about STZ, which is Constellation Brands. Hey, Steve. Uh, yeah, just you know, there? wanted to see. Hey, can you hear me? Hello? Yep. Can you hear me now? Yeah, go for it. So, yeah, just wanted to see when yes, uh, go would it. be a good time to get out. I do want to buy. want to see what you thought about the company. Um, I think they have uh, either they acquired or they're going to acquire or a portion of Canopy uh, Cannabis Company. And uh, I like the product, you know, even with the recession, I think, you know, people would still drink beer. So I just wanted to see what you thought about what would be a good price to buy in in the long term. All right. Well, this is Constellation Brands. STZ is the symbol. And they own, yeah, 37% of Canopy Growth Company. And they... Their dominant Mexican brewer, Grupo Modelo, is one uh, one of their companies, right? And... And so 
they also own wine brands and uh, does do they own any hard alcohol brands? It doesn't look like it here. Actually, yeah, they do. Um, so they're a pretty diversified uh, alcohol company. The issue here with these alcohol companies is how much of their sales are what we're called on-premise, right? Where how much are, are they selling to bars that have beer taps and, you know, selling alcohol, uh, alcoholic drinks, et cetera. And that's really the big issue versus how many are, how much of their business is selling to grocery stores, which clearly that's going to be up. But, you know, that's, that's really what you have to look at here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of the chart. It's definitely uh, bearish. And the valuation to me is not cheap enough uh, on Constellation quite yet. So I would need to get this uh, down around $75 a share for me to get, you know, below 100, let's just say that, for me to get excited about it. So I would keep it on your watch list. It's certainly certainly a good company with a lot of good brands, but I think there's some more downside left in the name. Yeah, around $100 a share, 95, I would like it. I would love it around 75. Um, So that's kind of my range for Constellation brands. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Yes, the economy is reopening in phases and most of us realize that the resumption of a strong economy is going to take some time. But you can't allow your retirement objectives to be controlled by a pandemic or the market. So you need to take steps now to optimize your portfolio, especially in these volatile times. You don't want to be overexposed to areas that are going to struggle. I see this all the time. I see people sending their portfolios. They have Delta Airlines and you know all of these stocks that uh, are just likely going to to struggle in in this environment. You know they think it's cheap. They look at oh it's trading for seven dollars a share and that's the way that they are making their decision. Right. Remember, it's not about the dollar per share. Uh, a company that's trading at eight dollars a share often mo- most of the time is more expensive than one that's trading at eighty dollars a share understand that okay and it's important to have control over the volatility the allocation in your portfolio so that you can succeed in this market you know there is hope you know everyone looks at this market and they're 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 worried and i understand that but that doesn't mean you can't succeed there's always opportunity in every single market so if you need help navigating this uh, uncertain environment, reach out to us. Let myself or Steve Peasley know. Give our KPP Financial offices in Irvine, California a call. We'd love to help you. 800-557-5461. That's our main office line. Or you can just go over to investtalk.com, click on the contact us or portfolio review, probably much better. Go to the portfolio review page, fill it out, and we'll get right back to you. But now I'm here and ready to provide unbiased answers for your finance and investment questions. We're taking your calls live at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Steve and Justin have just recorded a new rapid fire hour. At a faster pace, you can hear answers to 29 caller questions. The podcast download is free. Go to investtalk.com, search April Bonus Show. And now the phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. 888 chart Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. We have ten minutes left, so get your call in now. Let's go to Bill in San Rafael. He's looking at Starbucks. 
Thanks for taking my call, Justin. Are you there? I am. Yeah, no problem. So Starbucks, you own it or you're looking to buy it? I do. I've owned it for quite a while and have a, a nice gain. And I was just uh, doing a, a little portfolio review. I have a pretty balanced portfolio and want to see what your opinion is. Is it something you would continue to hold for the long term or is its growth uh, run over or what do you think? Well, long term, I like Starbucks. I think it's a it's a great business. Uh, I don't think their brand's going away. Certainly, there's going to be some near term headwinds in regards to COVID nineteen, right? That the, they have some stores that have drive throughs, and I know there's one near me that I see. And I've I've driven through it a couple times, but they're always busy, and so that's certainly going to help help them. Uh, but there's going to be more protocols around safety, and that's going to hurt their profitability. I think in the medium term, and that's why I think the stock, short to medium term, is probably going to struggle. You know, more unemployed people, less people going and spending five six bucks on a, a frappuccino or a, a mocha, right? And th- there's certainly going to be less activity on, on that front. Now, they're a good company. They uh, are, have good leadership. They have strong brand, strong profits, strong cash flow. And so I like it long term. But once again, technically it's weak. Uh, it's relative strength is 49, so a little bit worse than the overall market. And it's just going to be caught up in this, this negative economic environment. So I, I don't love it in the, like I said, short to medium term. But on dips, you know, you get back around $50 a share, I'd be adding to it. Right at those levels, as this as this has swoons with the overall market, I'd be buying it. This is definitely a name on my watch list, but you know I'm looking to own it uh, around forty five, forty dollars a share. I think that's where it probably gets to uh, at the end of the day, uh, the end of this cycle, uh, and I would love to own it there. Uh, so buy on dips if you have a long term viewpoint on Starbucks. Thanks for the call. Eight 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 ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight you get through and ask your question on today's show. Let's uh, let's touch briefly on these new tax breaks. Uh, companies are getting a lot of money from the government, and it's mainly in the form of tax breaks and grants. At about the tune of about six hundred and fifty billion dollars, you're talking about Chipotle, Walt Disney World, or Walt Disney, American Airlines, Marathon Oil, Valero, etc. There's more than fifty publicly traded companies that have disclosed huge tax savings and deferrals totaling about $2.8 billion in total. And they're getting a lot of support. Uh, Even companies like American Airlines getting grants from the the US government, uh, from, from the Treasury Department to really support businesses. So they really dusted off the playbook from 2008, just really putting money into, you know, top, Trickle down economics is really what they what what they, what they're pushing. I don't know if I really believe that 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 works, but that's what they're pushing now. That's what's helping these businesses kind of get through this time. So you're, you know, this will help in the short term. It helps these airlines, but once again, this is we're going to enter the insolvency phase where a lot of these businesses cannot stand on their own without government help. And the big question is, when will the government kind of pivot towards the people as opposed to the businesses? This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve financial freedom. Our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart
It's Thursday, and you are listening to Invest Talk. The coronavirus pandemic has had a major impact on our economy and the stock market. This means you'll have serious finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here now, and he's ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Matthew from Michigan Calling. Wanted to get your thoughts on Ventus Inc., VTR. They're a REIT that focuses in medical and long-term care facilities. I bought this in my Roth IRA at the beginning of 2020, and I'm down pretty significantly. Wanted to see what you thought I should do with this and any comments you have on the REIT space in general. Looking forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Thanks. All right, this is Ventas, VTR is the symbol. They own senior housing and healthcare-related properties in 48 states, one of the largest. Now, the, the issue is here is that the nursing home environment is actually oversupplied. There are actually too many nursing homes for the current level of uh, our, our elder population. Now, you, th- that might surprise you, right? You might think, oh, well, there's all these baby boomers retiring, and, that, and that's certainly true. And I think over time, that excess supply will be absorbed. So that's a positive. However, the issue is that the REITs are, are struggling. REITs are struggling. Why? Because they own real estate, typically. And in this environment, real estate in general uh, values are going to, to fall. Also, they tend to be leveraged because they own real estate. They have a lot of debt. And Ventos is uh, definitely one of the, has some of the highest debt levels uh, in the industry. And you're probably after that 11% dividend yield. But I have a strong feeling that's going to be cut. Its cash to payout ratio, pay ratio was 145% last quarter or trailing 12 months. And, and there, if you look at their earnings, they were down about 2% or funds from operation were down, which is how you report uh, for, for REITs. And the reason is because they, they own these healthcare facilities, senior housing facilities, and their costs are going up, right, to, uh, for, for labor, for, for materials, to disinfect the place consistently. Uh, and that's really, uh, I think, the biggest uh, issue here. So their margins are going to be compressed. And when you have a lot of debt and, and their margins are, in general, are relatively low because of the excess supply in the, uh, the entire industry, that's a big issue. Okay, and so uh, I, you know, I'm not a fan of Ventos. I, there, there are other companies within the industry that I do like, but you know, the margins here are are are, are struggling. So I would pass on uh, on Ventos. I don't hate it. Uh, I like that it's a re- in uh, non, you know, non cyclical business in general. So I like what you're looking at. It's just not my favorite within the industry because of that debt level, and they're not the most efficient operator in in the market. So. Um, you know, it's high risk. It's not terrible, but it's definitely high risk, and I would pivot uh, somewhere else. And and for REITs, you know, REITs are what what we call pass through entities. You know, the REITs pay out ninety percent of their cash flow to shareholders, ninety percent or more. They must, and many of them pay out even more than their cash flow, and they add debt onto their balance sheet uh, in order to pay out that 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 dividend. Now, remember, that dividend is also taxed at your ordinary income tax rate if it's held outside of a tax-deferred account. Remember that. Also, remember, it's a pass-through entity, so they naturally can't hold on to earnings to repair their balance sheet because they're forced to send that out to shareholders. 
So that's one of the big reasons why REITs in general are, are struggling right now is because strong balance sheets and strong cash flows matter more than anything. And so that's why I'm a little, a little weary on, on the REIT sector overall. Now, I do like the, the healthcare. I like the senior housing space because I do think over time that, oh, excess supply is going to be absorbed and pricing is going to get better. Because like I said before, 10,000 baby boomers retire every single day. Maybe a few, few less right now in this time, but so many do and they're eventually going to need nursing home facilities for the most part. I'm Justin, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I'll return on Monday. Steve Peasy will be here tomorrow with highlights from the KPP Premium Newsletter. Now, please remember to download our April bonus show podcast, and we call it the Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour. It's free. Please tell your friends about Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.